KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Extreme weather is becoming more and more common. Of course, we just had devastating flooding and tornadoes cause massive damage here in the Delaware Valley. September is National Preparedness Month, and FEMA is working to make sure everyone is ready if an emergency situation hits their area. What should you do to be prepared for a disaster? To get some answers and information, caught up with Paul Huang. He is FEMA's Acting Associate Administrator of Resilience. Important conversation. Give a listen. So when it comes to kind of individual disaster preparedness, is it more important now than ever simply because I live in South Jersey and I had a tornado rip through five miles from my house? I grew up in this area. That was not something that was on the radar for the first 40, 42 years of my life. Uh, are we kind of at a new place where this really is something that every household has to be ready for? Yeah, the, definitely. The climate is changing and we see it year in, year out. I feel like there's more extreme weather. In fact, there was a recent article out that showed that one out of three Americans this summer were impacted by some kind of climate disaster. So it's an important time to prepare, especially now it's uh, National Preparedness Month. So what should people do? Kind of give me the, the the top level thing. Somebody's hearing this, wants to be prepared, wants to do the right thing. Where do they start? It sounds simple enough, but not enough people do it. And just start with a plan. You know, I have young kids. Sit down with your family. Sit down and, and get a piece of paper out and say, hey, what if? What if our communications are down? Where would we meet up? What if we needed to evacuate and we only had 30 minutes of notice? Do I have all my documentation ready? Do I know how to get out? Do I know the evacuation routes? You know, what if I had a shelter in place for a period of time without power? Do I have the right supplies and materials? And those are good dialogues to have. It's good to, to practice, to talk about, to write down. Um, I think kids are really powerful. They remember this stuff better than we do. So having those conversations with them uh, is a great start. Is one of the hurdles to this, it seems to me, and we see this, unfortunately, with the pandemic, it's almost reflexive human nature. Well, that won't happen to me. I won't have to worry about it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I'll be fine. Like, is it getting past that kind of mindset? Yes, this could happen to you and you need to be ready. Yeah, it's just human behavior. We see it all the time. Uh, I've been in this business for over a decade. And it's really, it can't happen to me. Um, that's going to happen to someone else, but definitely not in my area. And what we're seeing is uh, when you talk to survivors on the ground, they wish they did. So I do think it starts small. You build, right? Start with a plan. Check out our website at ready.gov. We also have a Spanish version at listo.gov. Start thinking about building a kit at home with some water. Make sure you have prescriptions, pet food, non-perishables. And you start doing small things. And human nature is like, I can do this. You know, it's not a scary thing. I can do this. You mentioned the kit. Are there some other things people should have ready to go? And also, when it comes to something like a kit, if you're in an area where tornadoes are most likely or flooding's the most likely or out west wildfires are the most likely, are there certain things that maybe you should focus on depending upon what is the most likely disaster you're facing, like specific for that thing? Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, you know, I would encourage your listeners to get to go to ready.gov. We have some great resources, including 
you know, what's the biggest hazard in my area, right? So if you live in Jersey, maybe that's flooding, maybe it's a tornado. But I will tell you, um, we had, I live in Northern Virginia, we had an earthquake a couple of years ago, it surprised me. And I'm in the business of uh, disaster management. So I think the basic steps are still the same, uh, regardless of the hazard, which is have a plan. In terms of that kit, uh, make sure that you have supplies for three to five days uh, is the best practice. You know, a gallon of water per person in your household per day, um, non-perishable foods. Again, what people often forget is the basic, like checking your insurance to see what coverages you have. I know you guys may have faced some, some uh, flooding from Ida recently. A lot of folks don't know that their homeowner's insurance, um, standard homeowner's insurance doesn't cover flood. So uh, the National Flood Insurance Program actually run by FEMA helps administer that. And you have to call your agent and say, maybe I need flood coverage. Another best practice is just take pictures and videos of your belongings. Because if you, whether it's a tornado, earthquake, you know, flood, you might have to file a claim. And the best way to do that is to say, hey, I had a TV. <laughs> I took a picture of the serial number and I'd like that replaced. You mentioned earlier that kids are often better remembering this. With younger kids, this can be kind of a scary conversation because you don't want to freak them out. But to your point, you also want them that if X, Y, or Z happens, they are aware. How do you suggest approaching that conversation with the kids so that you don't trigger the, the panic, but the message gets through? Yeah, you know, I we, we have young kids at home. Ready.gov actually has a kids section. If you check that out, there's some great cartoons, materials, very basic information. And some of that's just basic practice, you know, like I, everyone has cell phones nowadays and it, the basic, uh, the need to remember those phone numbers are, are gone, but I still practice with my kids. We make it a game, you know, what's mom and dad's cell phone number and they rattle that off. You know, we become dependent on this technology and, you know, the kids become dependent on that technology that they forget some of the basics and maybe your cell phone's out of batteries. Maybe that uh, you need to reach a teacher and the teacher doesn't have your emergency contact. So the kids need to know those things. I would go about it again, just talk through scenarios, like make it fun. What if this happened? What would we do? It'd be cool if we have to shelter in place, like we get to hang out at home, but no video games, no TV. What do you guys want to do? What do you think we need to do? Right. Um, so engage them um, in a non-scary word, but we'll also have to be realistic with kids and, and they, they get it. Um, these things could happen. And I love this because it's a generational change. They'll carry that on. They'll have that same dialogue with their kids one day. Um, so a lot of the folks that we see that took the right preparedness actions is because their parents experienced it. I'm curious for FEMA, how challenging are these times? I mean, there is always throughout history disasters, but kind of the changing face of things where I talk about a tornado in South Jersey, where things are popping up in areas that didn't used to be a problem. And we're, we're kind of seeing the map shift as far as where concerns are. How challenging is that to the organization to, to keep on top of that? It's definitely a challenge, but we're all in it together. You know, it, it can't just be FEMA, right? So uh, last year, for example, we had over 30 named storms. I, I've been in this business for a long time and we were into the Greek alphabet of named storms. So it is, it definitely is more intense. You see the wildfires out West. Things are changing more extreme weather, but the best way to do it is to talk to your community officials, to make your prepare, own preparedness plans as, as households, take care of your neighbors and yourself, but also engage in the community. 
we have programs where we're trying to, to reduce that risk in the future, to make buildings more compliant with international codes, consensus codes, to make sure that we're building things back stronger and safer, right? If you do those small practices as a community, the hazards are going to continue to come, but you will bounce back quicker as a community if you make those investments. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>